you just heard two different kinds of resurrection appearances, right? One with Paul on the road to Damascus and the other one with the fishermen and the fishing and um, Simon Peter, right? You did, okay, all right, just wanted to get... I divide those into two categories, by the way. The one on the road to Damascus... Uh, I refer to as a flashbang resurrection because poor Paul, he got smashed to the ground. He was blind for three days. They carted him off to Damascus and Ananias worked on him for a while and uh, gave him his, finally got his sight back through Jesus and they went off and started founding churches right, left, and center. We'll get back to that in a minute. And the second one, of course, is dearest to my heart. Because having been a management consultant for 35 years, I was struck with Jesus using a consultancy model uh, in his third appearance. Now, I know many of you are consultants as well. And I know all of you who've been parents know very well what consulting is. I'd just like to point out a few little pieces from the second gospel. One... Jesus was not in the boat. Two, he was not fishing all night long with the apostles. He was standing on the shore. And when the sun comes up, he did what consultants do. How are things going? Not so well. What's the problem? We're not catching any fish. Oh, thinks about it for a minute, and of course he has special resources. <laughs> you're slow, but you're good. <laughs> okay, pull in your net and put it down on the other side, the right-hand side of the boat. And so they do that, and wow, within moments it is full of fish. So he bids the apostle to come ashore, and uh, one of them gets out of the boat and runs off to shore, but swims to shore or whatever. And I say whatever because we don't know. Could have walked. Peter walked on the water or tried. You know. um, he bids the apostles to come ashore where he has had a fire built. Notice the passive voice. He's had a, py- a fire built and a fish gets cooked And they share that, and they share the bread, which is a Eucharist, right? You spotted that right off, right? Okay, on the beach. And uh, then there is this commitment discussion with Peter. Do you love me? Well, yeah, of course I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Well, yeah. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Now, Peter's getting a little testy now. We've been through it twice. And he kind of comes back a little edgy. Jesus ignores that and says, feed my sheep. 
Okay, now you have two people, two people now who have played major roles in resurrection appearances. You've got Paul on the one hand, who's back from Damascus, right? And you've got Peter on the other hand, who has just been through this dialogue and been giving, given very straight directions, and Jesus ends up with, follow me, right? Okay. You know, it's interesting, in that time, the very, very earliest days of what we call now Christianity, the followers of Jesus referred to their new life in Christ as the way. And you, you spotted that, didn't you, in the second paragraph of the, of the gospel? The way. In Greek, it was hahados, the way. It just means the road, like the road outside here. It means on the road. On the road to where? Eternal life. Salvation, yes. Eternal life. I have to be a lip reader up here because you're all so shy. Um, Yes, the road to eternal life. There was much suffering on the way for the apostles. And the church's form in those days, it really wasn't even a church yet. It was small groups of people meeting in private homes, sharing the Eucharist, Bread and wine, sometimes it was more of a meal. Bread and fish, sometimes it was even more of a meal. The, the Jewish members of that group would go to the synagogue where they would learn from scripture, which they would hear scripture read. Now, Paul is over here, shifting to Paul here. He's over here proselytizing right, left, and center, right? His, his concept of his apostolate is being an organizer and and proselytizer. Peter's concept of being an apostle is being a nurturer, and particularly a nurturer of the Jewish community. And Paul's concept is to bring in as much of the Gentile community as he could into the new way, the new road. And so the, the, the small groups that would meet in the homes for the Eucharist, they would, the Jewish members would go to the synagogue and they would take part in the synagogue's activities, the men, and the Gentiles would go and they would go to listen to the lessons and listen to the sermon and listen to the teaching that was going on in the seminar uh, that kind of followed the synagogue and they would um, share ideas and, and thoughts and then that would be related back to the gospel as they understood it. Paul traveled, as you all know, all over the place. And a lot of you have been to places where Paul was. He was in Ephesus, he was in Caesarea, he was in you know, what we call Turkey today was the Roman province of Asia. He was all over the Mediterranean side of that, uh, Ephesus, all over there. And then across the water, of course, over to Greece and Corinth and Athens. And then finally, um, at the end of his life, to Rome, to, uh, to Italy and to Rome. And Paul was there first, and then later Peter was brought over, and that's where they were, we were told that they were both killed. <clears throat> 
You know, that's the background. That's where we come from. They did not have delightful little parishes scattered around or larger middle-sized parishes or larger parishes or cathedrals or none of that. It was just meeting in homes, just small groups, no architecture involved. All right, here we are 2,000 years later, give or take. Here we are 2,000 years later. What do we do? What do we do that they did? Well, we try to do the same thing. We try to live in resurrected life, don't we? Not ordinary life, but eternal life. In new life. And we use those words Sunday after Sunday after Sunday over and over and over again and during the week and services and you in your devotions as you read through the prayer book or read through scripture, you see those words over and over and over again. You know, the two pillars that hold up the Christian church are love and service. Love and service. That's what holds us together. That's what holds this enterprise up. Now, I have to say, having kicked around for over half a century in this, that St. John's does really a pretty good job. Really, really a good job. We're watching you like hawks all the time, but Team B, that's our job, you know, make sure that we try harder. But we do a great job in that the joy with which you greet one another, both coming into church and at coffee hour and at our various social events and and when you run into each other out in the street is, is real. It's tangible. You run into you in the safe way and it's not so much different than running into a coffee hour. I mean, it's just... It's tangible. It's real. And, and that is a, a very important part of what we, what we do. But the second part of that service, I think John, St. John's really gets a gold star for that in that we have a lot of service that people do that everybody knows about, but there's a whole lot of service that this parish does that most people don't know about, even people in the parish don't know about it in that you know the quiet little things that are done to help people uh, individually and in small groups in the community and community groups either by giving money or people showing up for a work day or all kinds of things that that happen in the name of service those are the two pillars that that hold us up we work on behalf of others Yeah, we spend a lot of time working on behalf of ourselves and our family, but we also spend a lot of time and energy and money working on behalf of others. We work, we pray, we give, we help, we feed, we counsel. We use all the many talents that we have to try to help other people. The three words... Feed the lambs, the little ones, the defenseless ones. Tend the sheep, 
and feed the sheep. Nurture the defenseless ones and care for the grown and the elderly to keep them safe. Now, I know you would be terribly disappointed if I didn't tell you at least one agricultural West Marine story, right? <laughs> You'd walk out here with your heads down and saying, well, I hoped, but, well, this is a good one. This is living in resurrected life from a cow's point of view. We... <laughs> Uh, the cows have been very good at eating all this luscious new grass that's been growing out there, and they've done a stellar job. And so we decided, uh, Leslie and I decided as a little treat, we'd take a couple acres and uh, where we hadn't let them in before, and we'd fence that off, and there's grass in there, and gee, it was about that high, and there was coyote bush. You know what coyote bush is? It's like scotch broom, or it's like, we used to call it greasewood when I was growing up, but it's, you know, it's that stuff that you'd think the water company was raising it for fun and profit. <laughs> surrounded, our re- the reservoir out there is surrounded by it. Well, there was a bunch of that in that little pasture we opened up too. So we, we built this fence, and we built a gate in the fence, and we opened the gate, and the cows would go right up to it, and they'd look and say, oh, sure looks nice over there, but we can't go over there. No, we can't. Uh, there's a fence around it. And there's no fence right here, but, you know, everybody's looking. And uh, we certainly can't do that. So Leslie gets a couple of uh, flakes of alfalfa and entices them up there. Well, this is the resurrection part. You would think that coyote bush would be Maybe a curiosity. It might be something they might want to walk by and take a little nibble on. Au contraire, mais petite. They went up and sniffed. These are Highland, Scottish Highland cattle. Uh, they thought it was native gorse or something, probably. They went and threw themselves into it. Well, when you weigh 900 or 1,000 pounds and you throw yourself into something, that's something. That's throwing something. And the joy, I mean the, the outpouring of joy that these creatures showed. It's just, I mean, all I could think of, because I was working on this, all I could think of was, this is a resurrection appearance. <laughs> you know, when we have the opportunity to meet the Lord, when we have the opportunity through love and through service and through all the many things that we do, to experience the risen Christ, and I'm, I'm sure all of you have at some point, you just may not have recognized it. Now, don't go out and chew on Scotch broom and jump into it. That's not the way. But amazing to see this just huge outpouring of joy. I mean, jumping up and down and running around and telling each other all about it. And I mean, it was like we're sitting there laughing so hard The tears are just streaming down our faces. Just, oh my word. But uh, all I could think of was, this is from a cow's point of view. This may very well be a resurrection appearance for them. Just this huge filling of body and mind with this sense of joy and being part of something outside themselves. So while you're out there 
feeding lambs, tending sheep, and feeding sheep. Think about those happy cows and their scotch broom too. Amen. <laughs>